Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spit and Polish Presents. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Swinski. And I'm Bartek. Hi, Bartek. How are you? Yeah, good, good. I just just had a bath. Had to clean myself. You know, some real a life... A bath or a shower? A bath. You know, had some had some real life, you know, troubles going on, so I had to clean up. You know, basically, long story, um, there's been a, a, a community-wide collective failure to address bullying, and I've been the sole receiver of everyone's ire. This is a, you know, like, it's their way of making themselves feel better, but it involves you getting a bit dirty. I think of myself as a hero, but, you know, no one else does. That's kind of part of the deal. When Bartek gets in the bath, he puts his hand, head underneath the water and is in the fetal position, screaming and lets the bubbles go up. That's a, yes. That's a reference to a different anime that we've done on the show. Uh, Bartek, we are spitting Polish iconically because we're always spitting, and we both happen to be Polish. And we're doing a movie today that's not from Poland. Uh, we're already doing a lot of references. It's Japanese. Um, what is the relationship between Japan and Poland? And was there any back and forth between them during the Second World War? Do you know? Um, well, I know that one of them was part of the Axis powers and the other was quite severely suppressed by the Axis powers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that there was any direct uh, interaction, though. I, I'm not mm. that familiar and any any interesting relations between the two nations that you're aware of? After all, you're a fan of both. Um, I mean, the most obvious one is that the flags have the same colors. There you go. But which one's better? Um, I mean, I I guess I know what the like what the Japanese flag means. I I don't really know the Polish one. Yeah. Well, that says a lot. Do flags have to always mean something? Can't they just be uh, well, aesthetically nice? Well, Ryan, could we not change the word flag to art? There you go. Does art always have to mean something? I'm pretty sure Melbourne has a city flag that's like renowned for being hideous, and I can't remember what it looks like off the top oh, yeah, of my head. Don't don't, don't the Australian sure. states all have flags that like no one ever really knows about? Yeah, flags, and uh, I thought cities do. I think. There's flags for lots of things. Let's just say that. Let's I think just... there's a flag for a country in Africa where it's just the color green. Good. Like the one solid shade. <laughs> I'll remember it now. So uh, we're doing our show Pictures Powwow in which we talk about flags, everyone's favorite thing, the pictures of flags and how they billow out and go into a powwow. It's no. one of my childhood books, actually. What, flags? A, a book of flags. I think I still have it on my shelf. Is it just a normal book of flags or a narratively driven book about flags? No, it's just it's just a like little guidebook on flags. And it was his favourite book as a child. Sometimes I worry about you, where you're like, <laughs> tell me things about your childhood and I'm thinking of you living in like, <laughs> like a dystopian Victorian era time where it's like... Oh, governor, my favorite thing as a child was, dude, where's my car? <laughs> and a flag and a book of flags. Yeah, well, the book of flags, not flags themselves. No, a book of flags. I- I've never seen a flag. I've only seen them in book. Just book, one book. <laughs> the book you own. Yep, and I've written my name in the front of it too. So no one else can take me book of flag. Actually, I'm turning around. I can actually see it on my shelf. There yeah. you go. Now we're in it. So we are talking about movies that have come recommended. Bartek, you recommended the movie. You recommended a silent voice or shape of voice or its Japanese title being? 
Koe no Katachi. Yeah, which, is that just the translation? Is A Silent Voice just a translation of that, roughly? I, it might be. I didn't look that closely into it. I just found all the words. And there you go. So for people who have not seen the 2016 animated Japanese animated film A Silent Voice, we are going to be talking about it in depth. That does mean we are going to be getting into the nitty-gritty details. So if you have not seen it for yourself, we recommend that you do so before you listen to us talk about it. Bartek, you recommended this film, so please do tell us what is your history and relationship with it. So a couple of years ago, um, I realized that I hadn't seen too many uh, anime films, uh, despite being you know, a relative fan of uh, Japanese animation and games and stuff like that. So I looked up just the basic list of like, what are some Japanese films that you know, someone would recommend? And I found this one list someone uh, had made, and it was mostly of like really modern stuff that was either just coming out or had come out. And the top two things on this list, one of them was A Silent Voice, and the other one was a film called Your Name that also came out in the same year. Um, and I, I checked out both of those films uh, at different times, uh, just because I thought, like, oh, you know what? Um, I'll probably not remember these titles, so I should just, like, you know, write them down, get around to them sometime soon, um, and, you know, further culturally enrich myself. Um, and I think think I watched Your Name first just because it was higher on the list and I and it seemed more popular and I I tend to but but it, but uh, sorry it seemed more popular but I was more interested in this one a silent voice and I like to try to watch the things I'm less interested in first um so yeah I checked that out thinking I would never hear about it again and then as we all know that film became a very big cultural icon that even got released in the west which really surprised me um, and then eventually I checked out A Silent Voice, um, and I, I really liked it. It, it's, it connected with me more than the other one. Um, and that was a few years ago now. I think I saw it at the end of 2017. And it's always one that I've thought about in the back of my mind. Um, as, you know, it's a film that I liked, but also there were some things that I, uh, didn't like about it that kind of stuck in my head over the years. Um, and I was hoping that, you know, when I'd rewatch it, I could kind of get a, a, a second opinion or second understanding, second view. Mm, um, a firmer on the film. grasp. Yeah, firmer grasp. That's a good word. Um, two. Yeah, yeah. Well, Three, I, I, was, I was mainly thinking of the word grasp. The other ones are yeah. okay words. <laughs> um, One of and them yes. is in the title of the movie. Ah. Ah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um and of course, I've now recommended it for the show, so it's time to talk about it. Ryan, do you have a history with this film? I'm familiar with this. This is one of the ones that I have also heard about, and I liked the sound of the pitch of the movie in general. I'm not as big into anime as you, but I think out of the two, two of us, I've seen more movies uh, than you. But you've seen different types of ones like i've stuck to you know your your ones that are your 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 ghiblis and offshoots of those and your name as well and a few others here and there um and uh i had heard about this one i had not seen it but i like this like i said the the pitch of it sounded very interesting about this bully who was this terrible kid who's grown up a bit and is feeling remorseful and isolated and 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 all of that sounded very very cool and I'm like this could be really interesting again interesting's the word like what a what a fascinating pitch 
And so I had filed it away in my list of movies to check out. I had seen Your Name. I didn't see it in the cinema. It was on Netflix one day. And I was like, oh, I've heard this is good. And I thought it was. I thought it was good. It didn't blow my socks off or anything. I thought it was fine. Like, it is what it is. Um, and I watched this last night. And I'll tell you my journey. I had a really tough time watching this for a numerous amount of dumb reasons. Dumb reason number one. My smart television decided it wasn't going to turn on. And it decided that because apparently it needed to update itself. Which Mm -hmm. is interesting for a television to do. So I had to wait for my television to finish updating. That's the world we live in. That's the world we live in. Yeah, so that that's... was interruption number one. Mm-hmm. Interruption number two was, since my television had upgraded, it wouldn't play the file with the subtitles on my television when I plugged my USB in, which it usually does. So then I was like, well, oh, okay, well, I'll have to uh, plug in my laptop and put a HDMI cable in, and that will do the trick. And that did the trick. Next interruption was my neighbors behind me were having a party just themselves there was no visitors and so i was trying to watch this movie about bullying a deaf girl whilst having music be blasted and people yelling and partying and so that was a distraction and so i had all of these factors going against my viewing of this so take that all into consideration when i talk about this in this discussion because i do admit that i will want to watch this movie down the road again with a far cleaner viewing experience because you know sometimes no matter how good the art is if you do have certain baggages that you bring into these or have inflicted upon you in my case then yeah you're gonna have a rough experience with it like a film that i saw in the cinema was uh, a phantom thread really good movie had a terrible cinema-going experience. Noisy people, the air conditioning was turned off in summer, so it was sweaty and miserable, and I just could not stand that movie. Like, I knew it was a good movie, couldn't stand it because of my viewing experience. Saw it again, and it was a much better experience like that movie. So I wonder one day, if I revisit this, if I'll have a better appreciation for it. That being said, I enjoyed this movie, but I found it... um, I found my patience um my patience wavering for several swaths of the movie. There was moments of the movie in which I really did feel like I was in a roller coaster ride with this one. I felt like I'm really on board for this and then other moments I just couldn't like I was just losing my patience. I was just like, "Okay, what where are we going? What's mm. what's this?" Like and I am familiar with uh a slice of life movies animated animated and anime ones as well so it wasn't as if that was the aspect of it that threw me off but in a way it kind of was we'll talk about that a bit more i'm keen to know what was uh your your experience watching it to uh for this and what were those lingering issues that you had on that first watch um with with my first viewing it was mainly me um thinking about how kind of sudden the ending was. Um, I've come to terms a bit with it for this viewing, but my my the, the issues I have now I think are the exact same ones as you. There were parts of this film where, yeah, the pacing just felt off or the focus uh, of, of the story felt off. 
And um, one thing worth pointing out for this one in comparison to the other anime films that we've done so far on the podcast is that this one is an adaptation of a manga. And I, yeah, and I've, you know, I've read various mangas. I've, I've watched various anime and um, I, I do have an understanding of how um, a a lot of these kind of stories do have various uh, arcs to them. Um, obviously for more common stuff like, you know, Dragon Ball Z or something like that, it would be like, oh, this is the arc where they deal with this villain or they deal with this conflict. Um, for a more dramatic story like this, I, I kind of segmented the arcs into like the beginning part where, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's isolated alone and he's getting along with the girl. Um, and then they start to bring in like other figures from the past who they're trying to get along with and, you know, basically involve in the current drama of the story. And it's kind of in that later part where, yeah, the focus kind of gets a bit uh, iffy, like when a lot of characters are, uh, you know, part of the plot. Um, and then, you know, they'll have a scene with them and then a scene with something else. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of, is that kind of where you were losing your patience? Or is okay. it something else? So, in ways, I lost, I know exactly the first moment in which I lost patience, which is... After they go to the fair, the fairground, the, you know, the, where they're on the roller coaster and the Ferris wheel and all of that, that was fun. I was like, oh, I'm glad he's, I'm glad this guy's got friends. I was like, yeah, this is what the movie is about. This guy reawakening his social skills and having friends, and it was really nice. And yeah, then he has that moment where he's like walking back to the group, and he's like, mm. whoa, I, 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 I have friends. And even after the negative interactions he had at that experience, where it ended poorly because you know he he resaw that old friend that uh, that fucked him over, and you know the girl, the, the uh, I can't remember that character's name, but you know the real bitchy girl, the oh, cross yeah. went back Ooh, on her face. Mm, yeah. Mm. Cross went back on her face and all of that. I even though I I kind of didn't love that because I was happy that we were getting happiness. I was still on board. When I got lost, when I lost it, was when he, him and all of his mates, especially that 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 one girl who really didn't appreciate being lumped in with them as bullies, had a weird ass confrontation in the classroom about him being a former bully. And I was just like, where? Why are we here? Why are we at this moment? And that's where the movie lost me. And from that point on, it kept winning me back and kept losing me. It kept winning me back and kept losing me. It did feel like, now that you mentioned it, like, I did remember that it was based on a manga. But now that you mention it, it really does feel like, especially after that moment in the movie, to me, it really does feel like we're in different volumes of this manga. And it really does feel like... Um, chunks rather than a flowing story, which I was feeling for that first half in particular. To me, the narrative was very clear and present, and then it became bizarrely disconnected, and I couldn't find the thread of what this story was aiming towards. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I was saying. Yeah, it like to me, I was like, another factor, this is very, um, you know, I understand this factor may not be appreciated by some, but I was turned off by how anime the movie looked by via character designs. I was like, oh god, here we go, the, the pink hair and the short skirts and the weird lingering shots on their thighs. That did turn me off. Another thing that turned me off was the anime acting. I will be honest, I'm not a big fan of all the... Uh, not a fan of those. 
But even in spite of those things, I was still being brought into the very well-realized and naturalistic environment the story was taking place in and the characters. Yes, some of the characters are your anime goofy characters and you have those light moments, but overall, I really bought into everyone involved. I really felt they were all real and felt that they were all natural and I was really buying into this, you know, this narrative of this guy being able to fall in love with this girl and people being able to forgive and understand not just him, but both of them. And then the movie kind of was like, we haven't mined enough drama from that though, so it's time to do that now. Yeah, I was I was reading that um, you know, in ad- in adapting that story into a film, they did have to um adjust the weight of various aspects of the story and like find what to highlight. And um one major one is I think they kind of toned down the romance a bit for mm. Um, you know, a, a more of a focus on the the main character's self-respect and mm. self-esteem. And that's interesting. That's an interesting shift. Um, what else were issues that you you had or want to uh, kind of um explore or talk about a bit further? Um, I think we we did mainly get through all of them. It was just like that feeling of um. You know, something may have been lost a bit in the adaptation and also, you know, the the ending of the film, it feels like there was a little bit more to the story left, but they had to kind of, um, you know, take that moment and try to give it a conclusive feel. And like I said, it does fit with the uh, the focus on, you know, the character, the, the main character's um, self-esteem, you know, it, it it concludes on the note that he can now look people in the face, listen to what they're saying, and realize that, you know, life can move on. He won't always just be a bad guy. You know, all the exes come down. It's very mm. emotional. He starts crying. Um, yeah, that, that was kind of like the lingering feeling I had from the first viewing. Yeah. An issue I did have, and again, this is an issue not just with anime, but it is an issue with anime and it is very prevalent in this, but it's an issue with general teen stories, which is I I got tired of nobody communicating properly. I was just like, shut, just fucking talk properly, people. There were so many moments in which it was like characters reacting to things that at that point in the story, I was like, I feel like you're more mature than this. I feel like you would talk about this more more concisely or more clearly than you are, but you're being very, like, melodramatic, and it felt very forced. And so I got very, very tired with that. Like, I felt like there does come a point where I feel like that conceit, uh, uh, the dramatic conceit of characters failing to communicate with one another to cause drama had been bypassed, and then they just drove straight back onto that lane. And it was very disappointing, and I felt very aggravated by it. I just, I just, being like, stop being so fucking dramatic and anime about this. Just fucking talk. Like, like, there's so many times in which I'm like, wouldn't people just say this thing, and then the other person would get it? And then I was like, oh, they can't do that because we've still got 20 minutes left. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of those things fall under, you know, like cultural differences. You know, yeah. In, um. And, and, you know, that big part of the film is that not everyone uh, takes accountability for their failings. So, like, the beginning of the film, um, when we have the the primary school portion, um, pretty much 
everyone isn't doing things perfectly, but it basically all falls down to it's all the main character's fault. Um, whether they're saving their own skin or just, you know, not making an effort to fix things. Like we even have like the, the teacher of the classroom who just seems uninterested in the situation. Like he'll tell the boys to, you know, stop picking on her. But, um, when it comes to like the principal saying like, look, does anyone want to confess to, you know, that they're mm. the ones that did it? And he just like slams his fist on the, on the mm. board and it's like, we all know it was you. And we see that the main character is having this like struggle. Um, and part of the reason why he has such a, you know, strong, uh, development from that point up to the present point of the film is that in Japan, like community is a very, very, very big thing. Um, hmm. and the fact that he is ostracized from that community is, you know, very, very harmful to him. Um, so there's just a lot of little things like that. And also, um, the way Japanese people express themselves, which, you know, maybe that would be a mm. factor in why they didn't communicate. Not so much, you know, like a poor writing thing or anything like that, uh, yeah, I but just that I, it's... Mo- yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I also think culturally they tell stories differently. And these type of things are more prevalent or prevalent in different ways. Like like I said, I also think it's it's a teen story. And in a lot of teen-related dramas, including Western ones, that is a narrative device that's used. You know, as well as what you're saying, like, culturally, the people who are Japanese may not do this in the same way as well. But, you know, uh, as someone who is not Japanese, I do have to at least vent my, my, my frustration that I did have on, on the viewing of it. Because also, you know, you have presented on this show other animes that do similar things, but I think they did that aspect a lot better, especially um, Tokyo Godfathers. In Tokyo Godfathers, there were we had three main characters who really didn't want to talk properly to one another, but there came a point in which that dramatic conceit was thrown to the side because it didn't benefit the story anymore. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes. When it comes to like yeah, Japanese stuff, it's kind of funny that sometimes um, a thing that's done, which we might see as normal, like you know, characters communicating in ways that we understand would be progressive in Japan because it kind of goes against their regular uh, cultural values and ways of doing things. But for us, it's like, well, no, that's normal. Mm. So it, it's it's really interesting, us Westerners, you know, trying to analyze a Japanese thing and having to balance, um, you know, our values with their values and yeah, trying to find a middle ground. Like you said, this some of the stuff in this bothered you. For me, maybe it would have a while ago, but I kind of just had to accept it. Yeah, and um, yeah, you've also consumed more more media yeah, from Japan in the last few years, like you've stated. And I would also say it's yeah, well, it's kind of hard for me, but I I will say like it seems like in the last five to eight years, J- J- Japanese animation, whether it's television shows or or movies, have been co- have been becoming far more popular with the entire world rather than mm-hmm. just with Japan. Yeah, yeah, the globalization of the industry has really kicked off in the past decade. What do you think is one of the contributing factors to that, whether it's like a specific piece of media or just a, a trend in the society of Japan or animation? Um, I My immediate go-to would probably be just... Um, the internet the the and the fact that you know communication between countries and distribution is easier than ever so 
like in the 90s, you know, Western fandom of Japanese stuff was very like niche and nerdy and like, mm. you know, you basically had to band together to have any sort of discussion with your equals about, you know, whatever you're interested in. Um, but now everything's like even people in Japan are working on like, oh, so how are we going to distribute this to the West? So um, it's being marketed more, it's it's more accessible and it's a lot more familiar. In terms of like if a, if an individual work did it, I'm not entirely sure uh, what that would be. Yeah, I mean, television show wise, just from my blunt force perspective, uh, Attack on Titan was a real big one. I'll say mm-hmm. that that was yeah. a biggie uh, of recent years that opened the floodgates for stuff like Demon Slayer and so on and so forth, which is now yeah, a lot one of the highest grossing one now for Japanese animation. Yeah, probably a lot of the like the. Shows that fall under that shonen banner, like that's where that's where you'd find like Dragon Ball Z things like that. Mm. It's like you know that's the modern Dragon Ball Z kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think you know from the little I've seen, I've only seen the first like season or two of of Attack on Titan. You talked about this at the end of last episode, how Japan does have an interesting fascination with the West as well. Like, hence this movie opens up with a song by the Who. Like, like they have like this weird little fasc- like they have this fascination with us, like how we do with the French. Say, right? We're talking about that, <laughs> and I think with something like Attack on Titan, they seem to, in that show, can't say anything for the manga. Uh, they seem to have a far clearer understanding of being able to mix us. Ideas and stuff from the West with still the strict ideals of Japan itself. This this is a bit of a tangent, but have you heard of, I think it's called like Paris Syndrome? No, but I imagine is that what we're talking about in which people just love Paris? Uh, it's sort of. It, it's specifically a, a phenomenon that happens when J- Japanese people go to visit Paris and they have such a huge cultural shock about how disappointing the experience is that mm. they have like kind of mental issues of some sort. Fair, it's fair. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the song at the start because you did kind of lead us in with that at the end of last episode. What do you want to say about that? The talking about my <laughs> generation. Um, yeah, it, it did. It did throw me off the very first time I watched the film because I was like, "Oh, this this kind of sounds like talking about my generation." And then it happened. And then it was. Um, Sorry? Then it was that song. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was, yeah. It's um Okay, I'm I'm gonna do the thing that mm. I always do. It's nice that this film did the same thing as Eurotrip. Yeah. Was it talking about my generation in Austin Powers? I wanna say it was. Um I get a feeling. Ooh, I don't wanna I don't wanna go against you because you're right about a lot of things. I'm right about a lot of things. I'm kind Can of I... kinda of thinking no, but um... might be wrong. In one of the Austin Powers, I feel like it is. But, 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 can I tell you a funny story about this song? And, um, obviously, you know who the Who are. We've done a movie by the Who in a lot of ways with the film Tommy. Mm-hmm. They did the song. Obviously, in the, in the trivia, the very small, small trivia for this movie on, um, IMDb, I was shocked by how few pieces of information there were on that. Come on, guys. Put more on there. They talked about, like... I think it was Pete Townsend or whatever is tone deaf in one ear. Oh, the relationship to that movie and that little fact, blah, blah, blah. I'll tell you a fun personal story. My my grandmother, my nan, always commented about how she liked The Who because it was very brave of a rock band 
to have their lead singer with a stutter. Because he stutters in this song, talking about my generation. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't actually have a stutter. That's a. F- that's just he does that so that the the lyrics and whatever the melody and the rhythm all matches up with the music. And it's also just a singing thing that you can just do. But my n- grandmother thought, oh, this boy has a stutter. She thought this the singer of the Who had a genuine stutter and found it found it charming that they allowed him to sing. So they um, gaslit your grandmother. Well, yes, we should have but uh yeah that's a fun little fact when that song kicked in it wasn't what i was expecting i was expecting like i don't know what kind of song i was expecting i guess like you told me there was a western song and i was expecting something more um i don't know sultry there's been other ones i've listened to where they get like uh more female centric songs in their movies like uh i watched a ghibli one i can't remember which one it was off the top of my head i think it was like the one about raccoons and that had the recurring song by, I want to say it was Dolly Parton. One of them had a Dolly Parton song. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. And then I get this, it's like the who, and it really kicked me in the face for this really sad movie with this upbeat song at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a wild ride. I was like, what the fuck? I, I gotta be honest. I was also shocked by the length of the movie. It was like just over two hours, two hours and like six minutes long. Yeah, I didn't check how long it was when I started watching. I'm like, this has been going on for quite a while. Oh, it's two hours. Yeah, and I was surprised because, okay, I saw the length and then mentally I went, oh, okay, we're going to spend a good amount of time on the childhood, you know, like when he was a bully. And that's kind of like done in five minutes, relatively. It's relatively quick. Yeah, they finish it in 21 minutes, I think. Oh, really? Wow, it felt so much quicker than that, I guess. Well, it's, it's, it's the film The film starts off with, like, the suicide attempt and stuff like mm-hmm. that, which is a few minutes. So maybe it's more like 15, but, yeah. I thought that, I don't know. It didn't feel like it was as long in the movie as I was expecting. A part of me was expecting it to be more of an emphasis of actually seeing it rather than we did see a lot it was a very horrific stuff it was very gross and made me upset i I guess you did also walk in being like oh this is a film about bullying but it's really just like the start of the story yeah it's the inciting stuff of the story um when you first saw it you knew the pitch of it or did you just know its name um, I, I knew I knew the pitch of it, and actually, I remember between me finding out about it and me watching it, we did have a conversation where I'm like, "Oh yeah, I've heard of this film, A Silent Voice," and you're like, "Oh yeah, I've heard of that too." Mm. Um, so we kind of like shared our you know expectations at that point. It's been a while; I don't really remember how it went, but mm-hmm. we basically had a similar idea of it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so when I watched it last night, uh, I was. You know, I was getting used to the the um the movie. Like like I said, there was the anime stuff that it was throwing me off, but I I let it go and I got used to it. And I felt really connected with every character in there. I really liked um uh um my favorite character was his dumbass friend with the big hair mm-hmm. who wore the Hollywood shirt later in the movie and had a little mustache. Yeah. Um, I liked him. He was very good, and I I felt like it was great when he entered the movie. I also really liked the stylistic animation. Like, although I didn't love the character designs, I did love the um the look of the movie. I loved how they used lens flares in the movie for good effect. I also loved the the color palette, the environments of the movie. I liked the cityscape and the more in a natural environment of like the rice fields, the paddy fields, and all of that. And I liked. 
uh, how characters moved. I will say that it was interesting because we've talked about this too. You know, Japan isn't as interested or have enough money famously to make the animation as fluid as the West does, unless you're Ghibli, right? Mm-hmm. I found that this movie did for the most part, but then there were just some scenes and it didn't feel like they were intentional in which it did feel a little bit more stiff. Um, in the past, I've actually, in you know, private conversation with you and our friend Will, um, I have talked about this particular animation studio a little bit. Um, it's called Kyoto Animation, and it's one of the big beloved ones out there. Like a lot of things they make, um, they are adaptations of things, but they're they're very popular. Um, I found this one quote online, someone talking about it, They and they say that they have a high sensitivity to the wonders and quandaries of ordinary life. Mm. And like you were just saying, like you really enjoy the environment, things like that. Um, yeah, usually when Kyoto animation is associated with a thing because they, you know, animated it or whatever, it, it usually does get a lot of praise for that. Um, it's, yeah, it's a beloved studio. They've had some hard times in recent years where like in 2019, they had an arson attack and then COVID happened. So yeah. Um, but a lot of people, yeah, they, they really stick behind, uh, Kyoto yeah. animation. And, and yeah, I think for a film where sign language is a, big thing that some characters use it's nice that they had very fluid hand animation yeah yeah i think for the most part i just noticed sometimes the animation was that traditionally type of stiff uh look that i associate yeah. with japan mm-hmm. and it didn't throw me out of the movie but i just noted it down and i was just like okay i'm sure bartek will have something to say to say about that because you are a fan of anime like you said in tv more so than in film you're getting into films more but like you have seen a growth in terms of uh how anime is looking visually over the last few years like we said things have started to kind of shift and change in ways uh, in the last you know, decade or so, wouldn't you say, when it comes to that? Yeah, definitely. Looks of things are, you know, changing, evolving. Um, And I've even checked out older stuff to see how it used to look. And, yeah, there's just so many different ways to do animation. Like, I remember when we did did Tokyo Godfathers, and I just pointed out, like, look how fluid this film is. Right? It's like a million frames for every animation. And that was his type of style, though, wasn't it? He, He really had that specific fluidity. Yeah, he had um, a style to the animation and to character design. <laughs> Very exaggerated character design, um, but a little less anime-y than this one, wouldn't you say? Yeah, there are, there are some characters in this film whose designs look very similar to other things Kyoto Animation has made. I was like, oh, I've, I've seen this character in a different anime. Since I complained about the, the character designs, what are your thoughts on it and that kind of recurring imagery that is in anime um well obviously when something's unique it's unique and that's a very good thing to go for um i mean some designs you know give you a an idea of of you know what these characters will be like and you can play around with that so the character that i was alluding to was the the girl with the glasses who um does not want to take any accountability for her part that she played in the bullying Mm -hmm. Um, she looked a lot like a character from a, a show that 
uh, Kyoto Animation did called K-On, which is very much just, you can boil it down to cute girls doing cute things. It's about a bunch of girls in a band, slice of life, you know, lighthearted stuff. Um, so the fact that she kind of looked like a character from that show, but she was in this movie about, um, you know, bullying, guilt, redemption, self-respect, forgiveness, uh, making amends. Uh, it did give this kind of contrasting feel of, of, you know, this is a character that feels like she shouldn't be in something like this, but she's not only in something like this, she's kind of being seen as an antagonistic force in various dramatic scenes. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, anime has its look, you know, the schoolgirl, pink hair, yes. big eyes, pensing their lips. Have look. you ever heard of the term moe? No. M-O-E? Oh, okay, you don't know the term. Um, it, it's a very hard term to kind of describe. Um, it's not the word for cuteness. It more so means, like, uh, essence of cuteness. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm making it sound very deep, but it, it, it's a term that very much is uh, an, an idea that's kind of controversial, where it feels like in the 2000s onwards, um, this idea of moe... Uh, is very strong in the anime industry, and a lot of shows kind of uh, embrace it a bit too much. Uh, Hayao Miyazaki, the the Ghibli man, famously really, really hates it. Didn't he say, is it in relation to him saying anime is trash? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if the full context of that quote was about, yeah, that whole Moe thing. And uh, one yeah. kind of ironic thing that um, my friend Stephen and I like to laugh about is, um, in his first film, The Castle of Cagliostro, um, the main girl in that is like the princess that Lupin's trying to save. Um, she has a lot of qualities that very much kind of match this whole Moe sphere. And he really hates it when people try to point out that like, well, but you did this character. And he's like, shut up. That was yes. before this was an archetype, uh, like a archetype so strongly in the society of animation. Yes. Leave me the fuck alone. It was like 50 <laughs> years ago. It was the end of the seventies. So like, I... I brought this up because, yeah, like, I try to, like, understand that from just watching the thing. Like, it threw me off that the, our deaf girl had pink hair, for instance, in an, otherwise, in an otherwise very grounded movie. Like, in an otherwise very grounded story, it was weird to have those little typical anime flourishes, like the lingering pervy shots of characters' thighs and schoolgirl, you know, skirts. I didn't like that. You know, that type of thing was like, okay, Japan, you need, you don't need to do that right here. We're telling a story about these two trying to reconcile, and our main girl having pink hair. And I was just like, oh, I can't be bothered to read too much in this. I'm like, oh, are they giving her pink hair to really emphasize that she's the odd one in the group because everyone else likes, like has normal color hair? She's like bright pink hair and is like, oh, don't even bother trying. You know, just like it's there because that's what they like. They like their girls with the weird colored hair. The manic pixie anime girl. That's what they like. Um, the, 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 her hair specifically wasn't as extreme as a lot of other examples, but yeah, it is kind of funny sometimes where I'll just like take a step back and be like, oh yeah, that hair color is unusual. It's extreme in this movie's context. The only one, well, the only one that really stuck stuck out to me was the guy with the red hair, because in the scene where he's introduced, he's not really mentioned until the very end of the scene where it's like, oh, by the way, this guy that stuck out the whole time is important. 
You see, it's interesting because I noticed him... I felt like I noticed him in other scenes in the schoolroom because he was the only one with red hair, but he had an X on his face. Um, But that just may be me kind of retroactively looking at it. Like you said, he does just appear appear in that scene, and then his character is bizarre because we never really get to know his personality. Like, out of all the friendship group, he's, like, the really odd one. Yeah, and they and it feels like they almost pointed it out because like when they have the bridge scene where the main character like you know confronts everyone, his line to him is like "You're an outsider. Yeah. I don't know you." And it's kind of like, yeah, he he was introduced as, "Oh, this guy wants to be your friend." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, his mother, the main guy's mother, she threw me off too because the character design wise, she looked like she was like only a year or two older than them. I yeah, a little bit. could barely tell that she was supposed to be his mother. Uh, <laughs> that's just a part of that design, unfortunately. Yep. At, le- uh, at least with her hair, we can justify it. It's like, oh, she's a hairdresser. She's into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was something I had to determine for myself. I was like, what's going on with her? Oh, right. <laughs> she's a hairstylist. Okay, yeah. Which is neat because... Uh, I noticed, um, yeah, nice stuff with, like, people getting haircuts from her, including our main girl and all of that. That was very cute. Um, and her and the main girl's mother. And so that was very cute. Uh, I'm trying to think of, um, what else do you, what is, what else do you want to talk about? Like, what do you want to discuss? Because, you know, this is one you've brought on for the pod. So I'm curious because, you know, we're kind of talking about a whole bunch of stuff. But what about any particular things you want to talk about from the movie? Um, in a general sense, so we mentioned earlier that, um, it it does feel like a kind of film where romance would be a big part of it and, like, the payoff would be a romantic one, um, but it it did kind of, you know, get pushed aside a little bit, um, in in favour of other themes. Um, having rewatched it, you know, with that kind of thought lingering in my mind where I watched the film the first time and it didn't kind of have a big payoff. Um, I feel like it, it doesn't bother me as much this time um, because, again, deeper understanding of, you know, Japanese cultural values, um, they don't express things, even important things like, you know, love or affection as directly as we do in the West. So, like, I know that the term for I love you is aishiteru, um, and it's something that, like, even whenever I watch anything Japanese – and there's like a confession going on or an expression of, you know, love being ha- happening. I, I listen to like, oh, are they going to say that phrase? Or are they going to say something else? And yeah, like nine times out of 10, they'll say something else. Um, and it's usually in the form of something very indirect, like, um, like a common one is, uh, you know, like I, I want to eat your cooking every day. It's, you know, like you, you connect all the dots and it's like, oh, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I love you. That kind of thing. Um, and in the scene we have late in the film where he's just woken up from the hospital and like they have that conversation on the bridge where, um, you know, they're, they're talking about like, oh, we'll, we'll support each other from this point onwards. In my viewing this time, I did kind of see that as like a, oh, well, that's kind of like the the love scene of the film, like the yeah. getting together thing. Um, and it was also funny how throughout the film, um, our main character would have um, a lot of very uh, like dramatic romantic lines that he would say to her. And then it would almost like lampshade itself by him getting like embarrassed about it, like not realizing he did it. I, th- I thought that was a funny little running joke that was kind of cute. 
Yeah, I didn't find the movie particularly that funny. I just found it nice, sweet. The most emotionally impactful scene to me uh, was when she told him in her voice that she likes him and he didn't understand. I thought that was really well done. And that brings up a point that we have minorly discussed with other animes, but I think it's interesting to discuss here, being Westerners, subtitles. Right, We've talked about subs versus dubs, and the choices subtitles and people make them have to make. Like, they have to make specific choices. And I was... I was put off, I will be honest, and I didn't know how to feel... With the subtitles making the choice of subtitling mm. the deaf girl's lines of dialogue with the incorrect letters. To, yeah, the uh, phonetic kind of thing. Yeah, the phonetic type of things. I, was, I wasn't I was on board for it most of the time. It made sense the most in the I like you scene, right? Because we understand what she's trying to say, but the subtitles are also, for us Westerners, trying to communicate what the sounds look like for him to misinterpret it. Hmm. Um, but I gotta be honest, I don't know. I think it was one of those gambles where it's gonna work for some and not for others, and I just i I don't know. How did you feel about that? Because that's a that's a thing that you have to sit down and decide. That, Are we gonna do that? Yeah, that is straight up like a localization thing that you need to consider for your audience. Um, and for me, for the most part, I did understand what she was trying to say, but there was a part earlier in the film, I think during the childhood bullying thing, where she was trying to say something, and obviously it wasn't getting across to our main character, and the subtitles were getting it across to us, the audience, that like, oh, this is hard to understand. But when you're going to the effort of like trying to give me an idea of what she's saying, but I'm still just staring at the words trying to unjumble them i guess that is an issue i think she was trying to say like i'm trying my best or something Mm -hmm. and i worked that out like five seconds after the scene ended but yeah it was it was a distraction and you are putting a challenge on the audience when you make that kind of decision and but it is a choice because a part of it is we're putting ourselves in our main character's shoes because he doesn't understand her fully and but again it is a tug of war. Like I completely understand why they did it. Like I look at it and go, "That is good." Like I see why it's a flip of a coin thing. For me, I would have personally liked to understand her words more clearly because I know if I listened to the English dub, I would. Because also the English dub apparently hired an actual deaf actress, and you know I have had you know i've had peers who are deaf their whole entire lives and i can understand what they're saying with their words even if they have that that you know that lisp or that that you know that kind of voice that this character obviously does have and yeah one of my mom's best friends is deaf i know the thing yes and but the subtitles did make her feel also unfortunately and again this is an artistic choice on behalf of localization of subtitles it makes her other, the character. It separates her further from us, the audience. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, there's something to be said about that. That's something like, that's actually quite clever. But also, you know, it's a preference thing. Like, 
I would have liked to have understood her more often. And I also agree. I would have liked to have had less of my brain being catching up to what she was saying and being distracted with what's happening now in the scene. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how the manga did it, but that might also be fan translated. Yeah, I'm curious to see to see how that's done. Because I feel like I've seen, you know, animation and stuff with subtitles or written forms translate across that type of thing of what a deaf person hears and what a deaf person says. Yeah, well, and there are all sorts of, like, little techniques you can do alternatively. Like, you might make her dialogue bold or italic or in between asterisks or something like that. Yeah, 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 that's actually quite clear. You know, that kind of stuff. It's, it is one of those things. And I'm, who knows, maybe there's other subtitled versions out there that do this differently. But, you know, in dramatic scenes as well, to see uh, letters be swapped with other letters did take the sting away. Like, when she's on her knees crying, saying, I'm sorry. At that point, we know that she's always saying, I'm sorry, but they're still translating it in the subtitles with, like, Bs for Ss and all that kind of shit. Yeah, a lot of Ds. A lot of Ds and all of that. And when you're having a dramatic point like that and I see the subtitles, I couldn't help but, like, have a little part of my brain saying, don't laugh. Don't laugh at these stupid subtitles. Hmm. It's a th- it's a gamble that the it's another consequence talk. of the choice. Yeah, mm, it's a consequence of the choice. And I was curious if you if you had that uh, in your brain when watching this. Um. Yeah. It it wasn't as extreme for me, but it was definitely a thing of like, oh, I would have preferred this, you know, done and it differently. May have be less extreme also because this is your second viewing of it, in which I imagine you saw it the first time with these subtitles. It must have been. Yeah. I've tried. I tried to look for another type of subtitles and i think they were different downloads but they did the same thing for that for her mm, interesting um i'm trying to think of what else like yeah you said the ending is abrupt i didn't find it as abrupt as you did uh or if you have in the past at least i thought okay i mean in all fairness i also thought many times the movie was going to end and then it kept going Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I was surprised that he lived. I thought, oh, he's dead. Oh, that's an interesting way to end the movie. Oh, that could be interesting. And then he, and then he lived, and then he, then he was fine. I was like, oh, he's going to be in a wheelchair, right? No, he's fine. He did recover from that very quickly. Yeah, he struggled at first, like walking, but then, yeah, at the bridge, he seemed fine. Oh, you've been in hospital, right? And you've been like laid up in bed and like drugged up and like there overnight, and you've worn the little nightgown thing. Yeah. Hmm. Is it easy to break out? Um, Could you just walk out of there like how he did? Could you just run out? Do you think? Because I've never, I've never had that. But I was, I'm curious. When I watch movies like this, I'm like, is it really that easy? Like, could a teenage boy in that, like, in the little thing and blah, could he just break out of hospital? After my first surgery, the one where I did stay over two nights, um, I felt pretty normal like the second day i probably could have done at that time um the last time i had surgery uh no i I wouldn't have been fit to do it um but if you're talking just about like the security kind of thing yeah um the fact that no one notices he just runs out it was it was surprisingly desolate yeah i'll (laughs) I'll say that for sure uh, I definitely wouldn't have been able to do it, no, like, stealth run. 
Metal Gear style. No, I w- yeah, I wouldn't have unlocked the um, the stealth camo for getting spotted zero times. No, I wouldn't have. Uh, I think that's all, uh, uh, roughly all I have to say about it. I think it does suffer from pacing issues. That's the thing. It suffers from pacing issues. I think it does take dramatic um, uh, uh, liberties over story sometimes. I do think it does go for the hyperbolic drama a little bit too off a little bit a little bit more than it needs to especially in that back half Mm. Uh, and that's what i would i still recommend it though i think if you are look if you are just newly into anime movies and you want one that's slightly off the beaten path and slightly a little bit more anime this is one yeah for sure i'm glad you mentioned also yeah that that first half of the film is really really strong Yeah, yeah just like the the come from nothing to something um and yeah the the second half is a bit you know iffy but it still has a lot of good stuff and if you are new to anime it's definitely good to check out and if you like kyoto animation stuff like clanad or something like that um yeah this is definitely a good one to check out in terms of movies so i Mm. recommend it too Mm. how do you measure it against your name like both came out same year this didn't get as big as your name how do you how do you measure these two against each other? Which one do you prefer? Um, I prefer this one. My what you were saying about your name kind of was the same with me too. It was good, but that's basically it. Um, I think the main message to point out though is that um, neither of these were nominated for Academy Award, um, but the Boss Baby was. So the, clearly, they're not as good as the Boss Baby. The only unappreciated masterpiece nominated for an Oscar of that caliber. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. I think it still yeah. holds that title. But it didn't beat Coco, so Coco is apparently an amazing film better than these two. Well, it's by Disney's one. Pixar, so of course. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah, yum, yum. I mean, remember, never forget Tickled never got nominated for an Oscar for documentary. Never forget. Yeah, I mean, they have reasoning for that, but yeah, it's stupid. Deserves something. Reasons are stupid. Let's give like Anthony made a Hopkins few years the best actor Oscar after the best picture Oscar, because that makes sense. Dude, I watched that award ceremony. It was so funny. <laughs> it was... Boy, oh boy, what a mess. I am the one picking the movie for next episode, I do believe. And, and it's your name. It's my name. It's my shape of voice. So I have been wrestling with what to pick. I've been looking over... And I've had my birthday recently. It was uh, like a couple of days, like by the time this comes out, like a week or two ago. And I've been thinking about like my age and like what has stayed around in my life and what hasn't. And I'm thinking it's time to do it. It's time to do Austin Powers, the first one. Uh, Bartek, are you excited by that prospect of actually covering the Austin Powers? Yes, I am. It's been a really long time since I've seen it. Yes, yeah, so we'll do the first Austin Powers, even though uh, I think we both agree that the second one is the better film. Uh, but who knows, once we rewatch this first one and talk about it on the pod, who knows what it will be like. But I've been in the been in the mood, it's been popping up recently, just things like actors from it and just certain things like on my other podcast, Yum Yum Podcast, we did... Where we covered Babylon 5, we had the actress who played a lot of vagina in an episode of Babylon 5. She plays a very pivotal character in that show, yet she's only in two episodes mm-hmm. of the entire run. But she's pivotal, wouldn't you agree, Bardic? You've seen Babylon 5. Yes, I have. A deer. 
So, yeah, <laughs> Austin Powers, uh, the first one's International Man of Mystery, isn't it? Yes, from 96 or 97. Yeah, and then the one next the one is The Spy Who Shagged Me and then Goldmember. Mm-hmm. Uh, so make sure to check out that. Oh, I've got a... I should have checked this beforehand, but there's two versions of International Man of Mystery, isn't there? There's two different Oh, cuts. yeah, there is. And I don't know which one would be the better one because I don't have these on DVD. They're available on Netflix. And I don't know which version, unfortunately, is on Australian Netflix. But my preference would be, and I don't know how to determine this, but my preference would be the one with like the comedic cutaways to like the security guys' families or whatever when yeah, they die yeah. with Rob that, Lowe and stuff. The very first time I saw the film, it was that cut, and then every other time I saw it, it was whatever the other cut was, and I was always kind of like, I, I kind of felt gaslit of like, wasn't there a thing where it like cut away to? family or something so we'll try our best both of us to find that version i'll i'll double check if it's still on netflix and if it's that version or not but that we'll we'll both try it for that but in general the movie's still relatively the same it's just one or two little gags in or Mm -hmm. out of the movie though like it's not like we're watching the director's cut of the movie that completely recontextualizes it all right we're not watching the final cut of austin powers all right yeah, we're not watching the P cut of the A team. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the <laughs> we're not watching the uncut version of um, Jennifer's body, so <laughs> which was an amazing cut. So uh, that's it, listening people. It's been a pleasure talking anime with you, Bartek. I feel cultured. I feel like a weeb. I feel all of that stuff. Do you like how when we do Satoshi Kon films we do it at your place but when we don't do Satoshi Kon films we have to do it remotely? Yeah. It makes his films feel special. Hmm. Yeah, and then when, when we run out of them then we'll feel less special. Well there's only two left and you've already seen one of them. That doesn't mean we can't cover it on the pod. That's true. I mean you've already seen this movie yet here we are. What? What? So that's it. You can find us on the social medias, people. Facebook, Twitter, at Spit and Polished Presents. You can email us at spitandpolished at gmail.com. Feel free to give us your recommendations for movies and we'll add them to the list. You can do so via that email or via our social media. You can rate and review us on whatever podcast hosting site you use that allows you to do so. It would be greatly appreciated to get those five-star reviews so that we can Rub it in everyone's faces so we can point to it and go, look, everyone, we got five stars from the listening people. That's your username, the listening people. And then we'll smile, chuckle, and go, ho, ho, ho. And that's a reaction we'll have. Bartek, could you give us your smile, chuckle, and ho, ho, ho? All right. Here's the smile. Ding. Um, Chuckle. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. His one is a very light ho-ho-ho. Mine's more like a Santa Clausy one. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, Bartek, any any specific thing you want to leave us out on with this one? Um, I know. um my my uh, instinct was to do an impression of the deaf girl, but I don't want to do that. Well, I will subtitle it stupidly <laughs> in real time. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be it. Well, well, I'll leave it. I'll I'll leave it on this. Like question wise, did you on the first watch know instantly that her sister was in fact a little girl and not a little boy? 
Um, maybe not, because they they tend to have you know very androgynous designs in anime like that. I was fooled because I thought that's a little that's a little girl, and then the movie spent like ten minutes being like it's a little boy, and I'm like, what? <laughs> but I thought it was a little girl. Did oh, well. You, well, he, well, here's the real question: Did you actually think that was the deaf girl's boyfriend? No, no, I thought it was like a classmate. I didn't think it was a relative because they didn't have pink hair. <laughs> that's a fair point. 